Okay, so this is take 30, lucky number 30 of recording the intro. Welcome to the Vajrasata Yoga podcast, a space for yoga practitioners to discuss their own honest exploration into yoga, its practice and its implications. I'm your host, Sophie Allen, and every episode I'll be discussing a specific topic relevant to our learning. We recorded this episode in March of 2021, so we want to acknowledge with a heart full of love all of the frontline people who have worked tirelessly to save lives and protect vulnerable people. We're truly grateful. So this episode of the podcast, I decided to ask three teachers from our school to join me in discussing what it's been like to teach for nearly one full year online. It's been quite a year doing this and I wanted to take some time to reflect within the Vajrasati school how it's been for us as teachers and how it's been for our students. So I asked Leo, Joe and Donna, that's Leo Taylor, Joe Shaw and Donna Rafferty, to join me over Zoom in discussing uh, various, aspect, various aspects of teaching online. You will notice that the quality of the recording, certainly from my end, isn't that great. And I apologise to you, dear listener. Um, I had done something with my settings. The good thing is, Joe, Leo and Donna talk a lot more than I do. Um, and I've edited myself out quite a bit with help from, as always, the wonderful Pablo Wilson. Thanks, Pablo, for editing this podcast again. So I do apologise for the quality of my interview questions, guys. If you don't know about these three teachers, let me tell you a bit about them. Joe Shaw began practising yoga over 25 years ago and has been a member of our community, the Vajrasati community, for 15 years. She completed the teacher training in 2009 and she became a senior teacher of the school in 2018. Now, before COVID, Joe was teaching three in-person classes at the Tree of Life and The Space, which are both in Hove, and every other month, she used to run an extended three-hour session on a Saturday afternoon. <clears throat> Excuse me. In lockdown, Jo now teaches on a Thursday morning and a Thursday evening. And she teaches quite a few people who have age-related limitations, which she will talk about in this episode of the podcast. Alongside Jo, we have Leo Taylor, who began practising yoga in 1996 and is a senior Vajrasati teacher. Leo enrolled in the school in 2006 and she says she was inspired by the transformational qualities of yoga, describing it as an epiphany when she had her first child in 2001. As well as classes and workshops open to all, Leo has specialised in teaching pregnancy and postnatal yoga, expanding to support women beyond the mat, using philosophy as a guide for negotiating the journey consciously. Leo also practices as an advanced Thai massage therapist and brings this awareness and skill set into her teaching. For Leo, pre-COVID, she was teaching eight classes a week across different locations, including the Brighton Natural Health Centre, Brighton Buddhist Centre, Hanover Community Centre, Bold and the Boulder Brighton and Blind Veterans Staff. Now Leo teaches six classes a week online. And finally, we have Donna Rafter. Raftery, who surname I always get wrong, so I'm going to make sure I say that again properly. Donna Raftery. Donna is now in her third year of teaching since graduating from our beloved school, and she has a personal practice of over two decades, mostly with Jim Tarrin. And Donna's practice and teaching includes a strong emphasis on meditation. Before COVID, before lockdown, Donna's schedule included regular week weekly classes in Brighton studio about balance and the yoga garden yurt in the Sussex countryside. She also had a lot of corporate work and cover work, which unfortunately has been lost due to COVID. But Donna has crafted online offerings um, to replace that work, such as Sanskrit and yoga, Knowing the Goddess through the Guna, and most recently the Purushatas, which are all retreats which are online with Sanskritist Elena Jessup. But for now, let's hear from all three of these wonderful women. I'm delighted to say I'm recording this intro on International Women's Day, so it feels very fitting that I should honour these three amazing teachers and guest speakers for episode six of the podcast. So you know who's who 
First to speak is Joel, then Leo, then Donna. Thanks for listening. I think for me, I was absolutely terrified. And I did my first Zoom yoga class from my bedroom. And it was just the weirdest thing, seeing all of my regular people with me in my bedroom. And we started just doing breathing, some quite gentle stuff. It just seemed that there was this kind of nervous tension in the air that everybody needed to, needed yoga just to release from. Um, so I found it really scary. <laughs> And that's interesting, Joe, because I, I really noticed that there was the there were definite stages, weren't there, in the lockdown that at first there was that sort of absolute adrenal panic um, in students. And then I don't know about you, but for me, that very swiftly moved into people were very worried about not moving enough. And they wanted to do they seemed to want much more activity because they felt very locked in, literally. And then they were exhausted. Um, you know shortly after that and sort of we dropped back down into sort of a really kind of you know much more sedentary supine stuff again so you know it was a real journey but I was so interested in the you know in the synchronicity of people's experiences even though we weren't in the same room um, you know I found that fascinating that there was a de there were definite curves and arcs that you know were represented therefore in what I was teaching people Yeah, I mean, the uh, the way that I came into the teaching online was I, I sort of rocked up when all the announcements were being made um, to teach my usual class about balance. And Effie said, we're Zooming live, there's a laptop set up. And I thought, oh my goodness. So in a way, I was sort of thrown in at the deep end. Um, and that was probably the best thing because I didn't have time to overthink how's this gonna look how you know um all those things that come up about being recorded being seen you know um my voice hearing my own voice that was a whole different thing I was like do I really sound like that you know and um and you had to get over that quite quickly because it was obviously swiftly the only option and I think people really valued that they could still get their yoga and that sense of connection particularly obviously as um leo was saying with that arc of people going through that range of emotions of of being okay this is for a short while this is for a long while oh we're doing this again you know it was this sort of range of um emotions that went along with that did you feel that the style of the yoga practice you had to that you, you had to adjust it that like leo you mentioned and Donna picked up on it there, like the arc of trying to tune in with where people were at. I think for me, um, I mean, I, I think we went into lockdown on the 17th of March and I did my first Zoom class on the 1st of April. And all I could cope with personally in my own practice was sitting and breathing. I just had no, and it's interesting how different people reacted. I had no desire to do asana at all. I just, my nervous system felt completely shot. So um, for me, uh, it was kind of what I needed. And then I, that's what I gave and that's what people came with me, I guess. Um, and people seemed to enjoy a lot of yoga philosophy. Um, I think in that first lockdown, particularly, people were, were looking for ways to get their head around what had happened. And I found that desire, particularly in this most recent lockdown, it felt like we talked a lot about yoga philosophy and about lockdown. And then it was kind of people were a little bit jaded with um, um, try, you know, trying to find silver linings. They were just getting on with it. And then it was much more for me about the asana as we got further in. That was my experience anyway. Yeah, in, interesting. And you talk about the, Joe, about talking to people. I found that I took from my pregnancy and mum and baby classes that into my everyday classes that I always start those um, anti and postnatal classes with like a check in, quite a long check in at the beginning of each class. And I started that. Um, informally at the end at the beginning of every single class so you know which was actually really lovely because sometimes you have students who come to your class that if they sign in at a front desk or something you never actually know their name sometimes for years <laughs> um, you know but you know them and you know their bodies and you know you know what's going on for them but you might not necessarily know their name particularly and suddenly you've got everybody's little names up and you can greet them all um, really personally and you know I started doing like a check-in with everybody so that it, you know it's sort of really sort of felt 
very important to solidify that sense of community sangha for everybody um, within the groups and people have fed back that that's been something that's been really valuable to them throughout the journey that they've you know they feel very connected to some of these people who they've never met some of them across the country some of them across the world you know who they may never meet so it felt um positively I guess like a real embodiment of meta um you know which is wonderful I was just going to add on to that sense of community. I think for those, you know, particularly um, with my Tuesday morning class, the beginners, there was already a little community happening. And then suddenly people were locked down and I've got lots of people that do live by themselves. And, and so I don't know, beyond even that sense of, I guess, something to do that's positive, as Joe was saying, stay in light and, um uplifted and, and and connected to the body I think we've all had different experiences of being so much in our heads you know tension in the bodies and all the usual things we'd be expecting to see in a class but this other level of um connection I think has been really interesting and really acknowledging that even though we're on zoom we are still seeing our other human beings and connecting through this massive experience actually and that's become more and more apparent that we've we've all lived through this, you know, whether you're a yoga teacher, yoga practitioner, or not doing yoga at all, you know, we, we have this shared experience. Um, and that has been very unifying in its own way, whether we, we just sit and meditate, or whether we chant or practice asana, and it does seem to vary according to, you know, where people are at. And I agree with Leo, the checking in is so important. Um, and it feels a lot more intimate, doesn't it? When you're zooming from your own home to somebody else's home, it feels a lot more uh, connected. Yeah, Joel. Yeah. Um, I was just going to add that um, one thing I do is I log in 15 minutes early and I allow everybody to have a chat because my group um a big uh, basically I mean one interesting thing is I haven't had any new people join me since I've been on zoom I've had the same group many of whom knew each other and really enjoyed seeing each other in class before we began and people seem to really like that opportunity just to check in with each other and particularly I have I have a fair number of people who are a little bit older so you know they're all getting their jabs and they're all sharing their experiences and you know people just saying I've had a rubbish week or whatever and I always do that and people seem to really enjoy that before we begin. I love that because that's the, that's sangha, isn't it? That's community, um, and I think we we we're missing that. And you know, just this is like, you know, ironically, I don't know if ironically is the right word. This is the this is the most collective thing that we've, as the universe, ever gone through together, and we are being asked to be separate. I was thinking about this this morning as listening to the news, which I don't often do, where somebody asked you know, if I've had both my jabs, can I now kiss my grandchildren? And the medical practitioner's response was, no, it's not safe. And it just made me think, God, this is so crushing that we are experiencing something that is drawing us together because we are experiencing like collective trauma, and yet we aren't able to take comfort and solace in the ways that we normally would know how, which is why I think the community and the Sangha part of it is really important and I love that you know the checking in with people and and you know literally holding space for students 15 minutes before because that's what you would get you know I really I miss the really incidental parts of life where the you know spontaneous conversations and incidental you know chats and things like that which I feel you know is, leads to people feeling quite desperate Um, the next question I wanted to ask about you know I love this term energetic frequencies I don't know if you guys have a different kind of word for it you know some people just call it you know vibes or whatever but how have you felt working through a screen picking up on energetic frequencies or vibes or energy from students when you know in a class you would be able to sense if somebody was uncomfortable um you know having people tiny teeny tiny on your screen how as teachers have you have you managed that and been able to deal with that yeah um it's been a very simplistic thing which I think I saw Jim do actually <laughs> early on I thought that's really great um so I nicked it admittedly um you know right at the beginning of the class I get people to do a thumbs up feeling middle-ish 
shit <laughs> sort of you know just as a guide and what's really interesting is it's a bit like rock paper scissors stone everybody does it at the same time and very often 90 percent of the people will be on exactly the same gesture and it's not because they've you know copied each other it's just because there is something you know in terms of energy and and it really um reinforces that sense of connectivity as well um you know then that you know often opens up the conversation you know looping back into what we were saying about people's opportunity to expand on that if they want to giving them the opportunity one thing i think great about zoom is there's the opportunity for to people to talk privately to you in the chat as well so i've often had people say actually my dog died today and i don't want to talk about it. i'm going to cry during the class i'm going to turn the camera off and you know i'm here and it's really valuable but you know i can have that privacy at the same time which in a class they might just not come um, because they're feeling maybe too vulnerable to get to the studio perhaps so um you know so that's been really useful but definitely there's been that energetic sense of you know communion i think for me during the classes i've really noticed i think for me i mean as a teacher and as someone who's attended zoom classes i find it much more rewarding as a student than as a teacher and I much prefer teaching in real life, in, in person. It is in real life, isn't it? In person. Um, I know, just I, should probably, for... I should probably change that. Not, not in real life, because oh. it, it's all real life. So yeah, face to face. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise you'd said it. I always say it myself. So I just correcting myself there. Um, I miss that so much. Just that hearing people's breathing, um, having that synchronicity, particularly if you're doing a sort of flowing movement of everybody moving together that kind of herd energy of everyone dropping in is I think everybody's missing that um the students included um I have a few students who quite regularly email me and it's almost like a little check-in of like oh I've had a good week or I love that class or I felt it felt good here or this week's been rubbish and um just inviting that contact through email um has been and people have taken me up on that and that's been that's been nice yeah it's been interesting the amount of feedback <clears throat> excuse me that we actually get now that we're online I don't know about you guys but it seems that we get more feedback from our classes than ever before you know as as you said earlier and um, someone mean done a, like actual feedback like formal feedback or just yes students <clears throat> people are more likely to say I really loved that class or I really needed that or what what the benefit was for them. Whereas normally, you know, you can teach a class, everybody leaves and you have no idea really how it landed with them. When you teach online, people are more likely in the, my experience anyway, to send you a little message like Joe was saying and just really share how it was for them. And, it, and it's unprompted. You know, I think in a way that does come out of that sense of this shared experience and that connection that is felt that I sort of picked up on quite quickly through Zoom. I was amazed as much as anybody else that even though you're muted, which is obviously the easiest way to, to teach um, online. And I always say, feel free, you know, to come up to the screen, unmute, use the chat, you know, if anything's unclear or particularly, you know, tech issues, which inevitably we're going to get at some point or even if it's on their end at least saying I can't hear you very well or I lost connection or whatever it is they've got that um, dialogue with you and that does seem to continue beyond the class which is certainly one of the benefits. Um, I've got quite a few people with medical condition well not medical condition sounds a bit like it's a really serious thing but people with knees issues with their knees and their hips and blah 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 so what's quite nice is because people book in because I use the acuity booking system so I can see who's coming and I pretty much get the same people all the time so it's really nice for me to be able to go oh now I know who might struggle with this and sometimes if that that I will I will say um, I will say up front, you know, if this is difficult for you, we could do X, Y and Z. Um, but I sometimes follow up and say, how was that? Did that work? Um, and that's been great for my learning as well um, to have that dialogue. 
Um, following on from both points you made, actually, Joe, I was thinking about um, what you're saying about missing people in class and that sense of everybody flowing together. Strangely, I felt almost the opposite, not not missing people in person, but that actually watching and observing people on Zoom, it seems to have given them much more freedom um, to not be just doing what everybody else is doing. And very often, all my squares, everyone, because, you know, I think we all teach probably in similar ways that we're giving lots of different opportunities to express, um, you know, in the way that, you know, that particular body feels at that particular moment. Um, that often I'm looking around and they're all doing something quite different, different interpretations of what I'm saying, which, you know, when what I found is in person that you don't often get that because people are a bit, oh, I'm, I can't really explore that for as long as I would like to because that might disrupt somebody else or whatever. So sometimes I'll have somebody in Balasanus, if you know, really playing around with it for a long time and then they sort of come back into it. And that that feels like a real freedom actually from the confines of being altogether, even though I miss many other aspects of it, um, of course. And the breath, you know, as you said, really miss pe hearing people's breathing and being in that sound vacuum of only hearing your own voice. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, the the breathing thing has been really difficult when I've been teaching to to just trust that like the students are they're, they're breathing and that and the lack of feedback in terms of just noises like I um tend to kind of try and make a few jokes to kind of let people like loosen up um don't worry Jim Taran he, he told me off in my teacher training once for making too many jokes that weren't re relevant to <laughs> the teaching and I'm always really conscious conscious that I have to make it relevant to the teaching but um that's hard not having you know any feedback knowing like if you know when you say things like in classes um you might be able to feel it there and you might get a mm. noise or a kind of and you hear the out breath or yeah like you know Donna just did the face of like a ah like a aha and I feel like that's been yeah it's been a lesson to try and trust you know people are being which we want them to be their own inner guides and and you know and maybe that has been a perk of teaching online that people are like okay it's just me in the room with my teacher and the other students online I am just here and I'm going to have to guide myself more than I perhaps would have done in a room um yeah Leon I think as well, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, with the tech issues, sometimes Zoom just sort of freezes everybody and it might be you that's frozen and your class is sort of left for a few minutes having to find their own way or you're left with everybody in a funny position and then they suddenly jiggle back into moving again. And I think that um, is really challenging, but, you know, it's also it's a way, as Joe was saying before, that we can really incorporate the deeper philosophy of yoga about just being with how it is um, and using that as a, you know, as a microcosm for the larger shifts that people are having to adapt to on a day to day basis in such an obvious way now with the pandemic, which is maybe more obvious to people than pre pandemic that there is always that kind of shift. Um, you know, so I think, you know, it's, it's all an opportunity, isn't it, but sometimes a challenging one. One of the things that um, Don and I, we were talking about this on the phone the other day about how you've managed as teachers with, you know, this is like more moving on to more practical things, but screen sizes, right? Because for the first few months when I was practicing, not teaching, I would have Jim as um, when I was doing Jim's classes, he would be pinned full screen and I wouldn't see, I maybe had the other students in the column to the right hand side or and then recently in the past couple of months, I'm like, I want to feel like I'm in a class. So I had to forego having the teacher pinned so that I could see everybody on a grid. So I could feel more like I was in a bit more of a, a room with people. Like what have you done as teachers or as students to kind of manage that? Or do you, do you mix it up? Um, I normally suggest to my students that they... Um you know obviously they have free choice but that they they make it speak of you so that you know whoever's speaking is that is the largest because that you know makes more sense and and again I see it as a little bit of a an opportunity for people not to get drawn into what somebody else is doing because that can be a distraction and I don't know that might be my personal take on it as well I prefer that as a student as well like I don't you know I can still feel energetically like I'm in a class but I actually like 
it was the, the sense of being able to really drop into myself but I think that might be as a teacher you know when I go to in-person classes you know I'm notorious I always go to the front corner so I can't see anyone else because always I, I end up being a little bit in teacher mode and go oh did the teacher notice that that person's black toes aren't turned in or you know it, you know it, it's a it's a bit of a it draws you out of your your inward journey so you know that might just be me though <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think um, everyone's experimented with it, haven't they, since that very first time. And we've all become sort of Zoom experts by <laughs> by default, just to kind of find our way, um, whether or not we can sort of switch off from the screen altogether as well, because we're, we're having to look at ourselves, this sort of two dimensional sort of facet you know this is a very sort of um, screen front focused and I often get my students to sort of almost turn away so they're just listening and can tune in and I find that very useful because you know that it's a bit like in a normal class there's watching me at the front but there's much more to be learned by you taking that instruction which is only ever a guide taking it inwards and just seeing how that resonates with them and their body um, so, you know, I'll, I'll start off by saying you can pin this, pin my screen if you want a bigger visual, um, if that helps, or, you know, tune in and leave it up to them. A bit like uh, Leah was saying, I think everybody knows what works for them. And for some people, having their screen on as well, that's really off-putting. You know, watching yourself do something is something we've had to really get used to on Zoom, speaking, watching yourself speak um, and the same with with practicing I think it's I mean in a way zoom has helped improve my teaching because I've really had to hone my instructions and really think about my instructions because I think people are less distracted by other stuff maybe I'm really tuning into what you're saying and it depends what we're doing I mean if we're on the floor um inter it's always that balance as a teacher isn't it how much are you observing and how much are you in the practice in order to access the right words and then take people with you and so it will depend a lot on what we're doing and whether things are very kind of movement based and instruction based um i'd be much more focused on um what people are doing whereas other stuff which is more about feeling and encouraging that pratyahara maybe talking about how things may manifest in my own body and 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 asking them to reflect themselves you know a lot of that isn't that important to have the visual element whereas other bits are so occasionally I'll say to people I'd really like you to adjust your screen so I can see what we're doing now because I'd really like to notice x y and z whereas other parts I think people quite enjoy not fit not being observed not feeling as if you're observing so much I guess I guess that's um I guess that's a a thing as well isn't it that this this, this the camera is on you the students don't know who you're who you are focusing in on which can either feel quite kind of daunting I remember like an instruction from Jim which I've stolen where he just he'll be like no you and he does this in live classes as well like in real in in, in real life classes and face-to-face -face classes where he'll be like no no you need to stretch up a bit more no a little no you and he doesn't say who it is and so everybody does it because they think it's being directed at them um yeah one thing I miss I mean I've I it's quite rare for me to do a physical adjustment in a live class, to be honest. I might direct people with props if I feel that maybe something else would be better. Um, but what I do do a lot in an in-person class is, is, as Jim tells us to do, you see someone with their toes not turned in, so you remind everybody to do that. And so in my mind's eye, because I'm pretty familiar with the bodies of lots of my people and what I think they might be up to, <laughs> um, I will base a lot of my instructions on that, even if I can't see their feet. I, I know, you know, what are the typical things that people might be doing in this situation? So a lot of it, a lot of that's going on in my mind's eye um, to kind of compensate for the lack of visuals of having them there in front of me. I think um, you know you're touching on the same thing as well. That quite often you can't see what people are doing at all because I mean I, 
you know it's interesting hearing what you're saying joe about asking people to adjust because i've sort of played around with that and you know then it just seems like a faff for them to have to keep coming back to the screen and adjust it onto their feet and it's sort of you know it's drawing them in and out um i have to do that i don't know about you guys but i don't have a big enough house that i can ever get a space where the computer is far enough away from me so i don't either chop off my own head or my feet like and i'm ne- i'm never a complete being anymore on you know in a yoga class like so i'm constantly having to adjust but what i've found that i do do a lot is that i've because I found it felt quite performative just you know standing back from the screen so that they could see me all and you know demonstrate the postures I do a lot more sitting and watching and trusting my own experience from my practice of how this feels but observing them as much as I can depending where they are so quite often I'm sat like this you know looking around sort of picking up and observing you know, what they're doing and teaching from that rather than teaching from, you know, what I'm doing at the other side of the room, because that feels to me quite often a little bit more removed, um, you know, and that, that I found when I did that, I lost, I lost the connection more in, you know, on Zoom. And that leads me to ask what, um, what postures have you avoided? Um, is it like, is there any that you're like, just not able to teach that? Just as it, just I was thinking in terms of the other teachers that they might have thought I would really like to teach that, but I'm not going to do. Is there any specific postures that might seem like a good idea to teach, but you've just not done them? Um, definitely anything with lots of props, because, you know, you just don't know what people are going to have. And, you know, even if you say a block, you know, or even if you say a book sometimes, like then people have got to go to another room to get it or, you know, and it's quite disruptive. So, you know, I found that I've taught a lot less with props or sometimes I've emailed them in advance said it'd be really good if we do a chair session today. I thought it'd be great because you've all said that your backs are hurting and let's do some stuff around sitting on chairs and how you can ease out during your working day or whatever. So getting them prepared in advance to have the things that they might need. Um, but, you know, things like Parian Karsner or, you know, something that would involve very specific placement of um, props to be safe. I wouldn't teach at all. Um, I think for me, because I've got a slightly older crowd, we use a lot of props. And in our 15 minute chat at the start, I tell people what they're going to need for the class and they go and get it. And also when I do the recording, because what I do is I record the class and then everybody automatically gets it. Uh, the link to Zoom because I think people have really enjoyed repeating the class in the week and a lot of people have said that actually it's felt really great in the body to do it uh, to do it again um, so I do use a lot of props particularly for kind of I, I, and I guess at the beginning there's more of a a thought to kind of health and safety what space you're going to need above you know you're going to need space above your head you're going to need this you're going to need that and I set that all out the beginning and if I'm doing some postures that are new um, or maybe unfamiliar to people I tend to demo those right at the beginning before we start the class so people have got some sort of idea of what's what's happening and I do find for my slightly older ladies I'm using chairs a lot more particularly with standing poses because the worst thing in the world would be for someone to topple over um so giving people those options for using the chair um is good but I mean I'd never do inversions anything that would you know there's any risk of anyone tumbling over I just wouldn't go there I think yeah, I'm, I'm really missing the wall space and ledges, you know, because um, a bit like Leo was saying, my lounge is long with, with the window at the very back, which means I always have to close the shutters, which looks maybe like I'm permanently teaching in the dark. But, um, you know, I've sort of found the way to, to use that space. Um, but the walls, lots of people have this same problem, right? There's either a sofa against it or there are pictures up the wall, bookcases. And I really miss that for things like, you know, Ardha Uttanasana, where you can put your hands on a ledge or Padangushtasana with the leg up. And, you know, using props, we can sort of get around that. But, um, you know, legs up the wall. I mean, I would so like to um, get everybody to do that. But of course, I might have people that have to literally change rooms to, to get a, a flat wall. It's just not practical. Um, but I will often recommend, you know, a couple of postures to people that they can maybe do outside of the class. And 
you know, that seems to be the way around that. I've had people come to my classes that would never normally go to a yoga class because it's too confronting to be in a room with other people. We touched that upon that earlier. Um, I think people feeling safe in the comfort of their own homes and perhaps people that are a bit more self-conscious about the way that their body, the way that they perceive that their body can and can't move, that being able to be in their private home. And I've had students as well that want to keep their cameras off, which I, you know, try and not encourage because I'd like to see them and be able to give them feedback, but it's what, what makes them feel comfortable. But it's also the, drawing that balance of trying to sort of pulling them in a little bit to be like, you know, don't, don't be too much, don't be too much isolated in your yoga practice. But I guess we are, we are adapting fluidly to what the students need. Leo, yeah. I think that's a really important point, Soph, is that, you know, accessibility of, of Zoom is huge. I mean, as long as people have the tech, there's obviously there's a big division in terms of funding that, you know, some people just don't and can't afford the tech. So that won't be accessible to them at all. And that's a real problem, as I see it. Um, you know, the same as with schooling. Um, but you know, for less able-bodied people, you know, maybe some of Joe's students, you know, they would be able to, you know, come. The, the idea of getting to a studio or up a set of stairs if there's stairs in a studio is impossible but actually you're able to get to a zoom class in your own home you know I have some people who've had you know strokes coming to my class who definitely wouldn't come out um you know at all but they feel very safe to you know just lie down when they need to to you know go off and have a drink if they need to to you know go to the loo if they have constants of bladder needs or whatever and you know and it really opens up um the the you know the perspective of a class to you know a much broader audience I think because you know we still have a class system you know which is very ableist and you know it's also financially you know, it's a huge thing. I don't know about you guys, but I've made, you know, I think a lot of us have made our classes much more accessible financially too, that it's a pay-as-you-can scale. You know, lots of people can't afford 10, 15 pounds a class ever, but especially at the moment. And, you know, I've got a few students who definitely wouldn't ever come to classes, but they've come every single week and, you know, they're so grateful to it for their mental health. So lots of different reasons. I think accessibility is a really important um, thing that Zoom has facilitated that we need to actually address when we go back into studios. Yeah, just on the accessibility, um, I think one of the things that's quite incredible, and I know this as you know, as, as a, a busy mum like you know so many others, um, but basically, if you've got an hour, you can set your laptop up, do your class. You've got then you're back, you know, back to homeschooling or whatever's been going on. So there is that time aspect of traveling to a class getting there getting home all of that so for a lot of people just the time element has made it more accessible you know not just a lunch hour where they've had to skip their lunch to come or whatever um but they can set up from home be there be done close the laptop and they've done their practice for the day Although I think it's been so well documented, there's a whole skew of problems that come from that, aren't there? I don't know if you guys have had that where people sort of turn up in their, you know, half a suit because they've obviously just come straight from a meeting to something else and they're like rapidly getting their tie off halfway through the class. They realise that actually, actually not, not very comfortable and they don't have to have it here or they're doing funny things during the class. Like they've obviously eaten their lunch or their dog sat on their head or, you know, that there isn't you know that same sort of sacred space necessarily that they can create at home so it's it's got pros and cons isn't it oh definitely I've been known as a student to kind of one minute to go or even you know being late because I'm just just going to do that other thing that's the kitchen's right there and it's 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 the self-discipline that I lack as, even as um, a practitioner to do my own practice in my own home because I get so easily distracted by things that need doing and so I really feel for people that are lacking that space that they would have where it's like, I'm going out of the house, I'm going to a yoga studio, this is where, this is like, you know, this is my church, this is where I go to kind of practice yoga. And it's been, I think, a challenge for a lot of people. Well, it's been the blessing as well to be able to not have to go anywhere for time aspects. But I know I've said to students things like, you know, perhaps you might like to light some incense or burn some oil or cultivate conditions that you might have 
experienced in a studio um but it's hard do you ever any of you give any sort of instructions to your students to get them into the space to to you know when you start the phrase of like you know you land here you're on your mat now it's, apart from you know just starting a class and going into it do you do any kind of pre stuff for your students I think it's a bit of a um, bit of both actually in some in some ways it's great to sort of you know if you can like I, you know when I first started the zooms we were in our tiny terraced house in Hanover and the corner the one tiny corner of our bedroom that was my yoga studio was also Will's workspace was also homeschooling space you know and it was a multi-functioning space and you know I'm sure that that represents a huge amount of people not many people have got the luxury of a special space that they go to to practice yoga um and that can be tricky, but that's also really good, isn't it? I'm mean, always telling, you know, my mum's in mum and baby yoga that actually if you can make yoga something that's accessible 24-7, you know, that it doesn't have to be something separate from you that's over there that actually causes grasping, that, you know, that causes suffering because you're not quite getting to it ever, that actually if it's right here in the middle of the kids and the dog and the, you know, and your husband in the other corner of the room doing his Zoom meeting while you're also doing your yoga class or whatever, actually that's that for me is also it you know there's a lovely thing um i recommend everybody do this <laughs> just because it's like that messiah complex where like i've discovered adi ashanti's 30-day wake-up challenge and i'm doing it this is the second time in a row and something he keeps repeating is that it's already always inside of you the peace the stillness the heart center you know whatever those whichever words it's like it's already always there so like it's already inside like we don't have to physically go to a different space to get there but the, you saying that Leo made me think of that like oh yeah just made my shoulders drop a little bit it's always it's always already there I love that you know because it's essentially exactly that it is a sense of like there was I remember there was a point I couldn't pinpoint it exactly where you know some clever marketing person you know coined the phrase me time and you know it, I hate that so much I can't tell you how much I despise the idea of me time as if you're not me until you get to your yoga retreat or till you get to Thailand or until you get somewhere else other than here right now um you know and it's it's a marketing nightmare as far as I'm concerned <laughs> because you know it, as I say it just creates suffering yeah, perhaps one of the good things when people do realise how accessible it is, whether it's rolling out a mat or just lying down, you know, taking that chance, really, that opportunity, whenever it is, um, just to lie down. I mean, I often say, this is your hour, you know, just we'll let everything else drop, everything else can wait. And I, I don't know, even though perhaps I can't feel and hear that sort of exhalation, I recognise it in myself that I am in a home that is a permanent job, you know, it's a permanent call of my energy and my attention. Um, but actually for that hour, uh, it's it's really wonderful, a great opportunity to just turn off the phone and allow everything else just to wait, you know, prioritise that sort of self-care, which has been so crucial, hasn't it? Sorry, I've apparently got a lot to say on this bit, but um, but I think um, you know actually what what I really found informed me was having taught mum and baby yoga for such a long time was that people have always got distractions, and when I'm teaching a group, whether in person or not, of new mums with their babies it's such a perfect analogy for any other class you teach, except that you can physically see the distractions that you know actually if you've got any regular class whether you can see the person walking through the background on zoom or you can see the dog licking them or whatever it is you know there's going to be that same internal dialogue and that same sort of sense of being distracted being drawn out and you know so it's kind of the same so I think if you can acknowledge that in the classes like you know and I'll often do that when you know when I see the dog come in you know actually refer to that as you're saying so you know you can joke about these things and make light of these sort of crazy everyday occurrences that you're witnessing um you know and the kids all come in and join in but then it becomes some hilarious game that then the mum's obviously sitting there going I'm not getting to practice officially at all but if you can include all that you know, and still find your center, actually, that's much more useful to you than, you know, the idea of shutting yourself away, which is maybe less, you know, less feasible for us, even if we are in a room on our own anyway. As the lockdown has continued, um, and as we have become 
you know, I say we, I have become worn down and I expect other people have, and I've noticed that other people have. What what do you do sort of day to day in your teaching or week to week in your teaching? Do you, are you like actively responding to like a, a lockdown announcement or do you want to, yeah, Joe, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? I think for me, I respond more to the seasons than to lockdown. And, it, and I felt with some of my older folk that they were getting a, 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 a I don't know how I picked up on this, but it, I just wanted to come um, as we moved into summer for people to step into maybe a slightly more dynamic practice. I felt people a little bit stuck in a rut and actually doing some practice that was a, a bit more dynamic, a bit more opening just to kind of stimulate this this arriving in summer and it coincided with teaching outdoors which I've never done before which was another interesting journey I actually found um, it easier to transition to zoom than I found it to to transition to outside particularly because of temperature um, and I like to start slow and we do a lot of warm-up often on the mat and a lot of that wasn't accessible um, outside so much um, so that threw another dynamic into it of okay um, how do I adapt to an outside practice um, and also get people moving but keep that sense of meditation um, to the class was was an interesting journey I think in terms of adjusting to you know people's moods in relation to the lockdown what I realized quite early on is not to make assumptions about what people's experiences were um, because actually, you know, I, I have a very broad range of people in my class. So, you know, in any one class, so sometimes I've got quite old people along with students and their, and parents and making any assumptions about how they would be experiencing it was, you know, potentially a little alienating to the others because some of them were loving it. <laughs> you know, some of them were having a great time, like, you know, and others were really struggling, you know, depending very much, you know, some people, on their characters like you know if they're if you're very introverted going into lockdown is fine <laughs> you know you don't mind it at all if you're if you're a really, really social butterfly then it's really difficult if you're living on your own it's much more challenging or challenging in really different ways to if you're in a house with four kids like so you know I would draw attention more I think to the fact that we're all experiencing something <laughs> you know, and that that might be affecting us in similar or very different ways. Um, but the check-in at the beginning, again, really makes a lot of difference because then you get a sense. Yeah, I use the thumbs up as well. I, I find that very useful. And it also gives everyone a chance just to check in with themselves in order to answer, doesn't it? Because, you know, we're so sort of, um, we're being reactive a lot of the time and, and indeed sort of led by the government being reactive. And I think there is that settling settling down of like this is the situation I mean I made it quite um I don't know I suppose early on I made a decision not to mention Covid in my class um and it was a conscious effort really because I think particularly early on we were having so much news and information um and that sort of sacred time and space where we're just actually going a lot more inwards and just allowing the outside world to sort of fade away with less sort of significance you know we all know it's going to be there in, a, in an hour's time after practice or whatever but I didn't want to bring that in um, as a sort of conscious conscious effort but what I would say I've noticed is um, the emphasis on breathing has been more important just to get everyone to sort of check into that and I think people have been more receptive to that as well realizing that's a big part of how we're coping um and that's indicative of how we're coping and hips hips I've noticed I do a lot of stuff with hips you know um and shoulders I, I mean this is stuff that we would teach always but I've just noticed certainly in this third lockdown we're a lot more sedentary you know we're allowed in hours uh exercise outside and whatever and I think we're all feeling it in different ways in our bodies and we can relate to those areas um perhaps more than the breath which can be a bit more subtle for some people so yeah in that way it's uh, more of a physical um observation of, of what's happening with people but as leo said you can't make an assumption with people because we're all coping at different times even throughout a day 
you may start off completely all right with everything and um and it sort of disintegrates throughout the day I I totally agree with that not making assumptions and I think that check-in 15 minutes of my classes really do inform which way things go um I mean I find that in a in a studio class that you can someone rocks up and they look absolutely shattered and then someone else bounces through the door there's always that that kind of trade-off isn't there and interestingly I did a Sunday morning workshop um I think it was in October and for a lot of people there was that that was their first time back in studio after having loads of time on zoom and people were quite um and what I've noticed is if a couple of people feel a little bit anxious about being in close proximity to others indoors, it's very infectious. Um, and I started, I had, t- interestingly, I did two mornings and one, everyone was totally relaxed. The other one, there was quite a lot of anxiety in the room. And what I had planned for the morning went completely out the window because of of that different, um, that different response people ha- had had. And how that response, particularly anxiety, does does spread and having to spend a bit of time to kind of work with that before, you know, at the beginning of the class was um, at the beginning of the workshop was quite important. I like that about, you know, not talking about COVID, like everybody knows it is happening, but everybody is having different responses to it at different times of the day or depending what's happened to their families. And um, yeah, so I think it's. It can be a bit of um, the yoga practice itself or a yoga class is is a time to kind of not be in your head about it. There's so much information and we are so in our heads about trying to process what's going on and where that lives in the body and where that, you know, where we feel it in the body, where, we, where our bodily responses of being fired up, the adrenal glands, our parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems, trying to understand what's happening in our heads it's like we can't do that we can't think our way to kind of um I can't yeah George or Leo did you want to respond to that sorry I just wanted to say on that note of um immunity sorry Joe. um that you know I have found that actually I've been applying not speaking about COVID like in terms of announcements but actually really promoting a sense of understanding of how your body works so you know I'm quite nerdy anyway and I'm I'm meditating a book with Charlotte at the moment on immunology and respiratory health for yoga teachers which is you know fantastic so very timely which is you know why we're doing it now but you know I've been bringing that into classes as well about you know explaining to people sort of how their innate um, immunity works rather than acquired immunity which is you know through vaccines and stuff and you know that actually your faith in your own body's ability and your understanding of your own body's ability to heal itself and to protect itself which isn't being talked about at all in the news or the media and is so important and is much more democratic as well you know and you know as a yoga teacher and massa that upsets me hugely that there isn't a lot more coverage of how people can look after their bodies better in the first place rather than preventative medicine I was just going to say, I, I, I was thinking back to my teaching and this week I did mention the, the announcement um, that we'd had, but just mentioning that kind of any big change, whether it's positive or negative, resonates in the body. So some people will be very excited. Some people will be very apprehensive about lockdown ending, but um, that's all going to be there, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and just noticing that. Um, and it will change day to day. So I guess it's, it, you know, the classic yoga thing, the, the transient nature of life and, uh, and how it, and that's OK. There's a freedom in that, that things are totally shifting all the time. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sorry, yeah, this is where the sort of philosophy really comes in, isn't it? I, I found that as well, sort of weaving in the deeper understanding of what it is we're practicing equanimity etc you know being lots of grounding practices because you know we can feel so knocked about by oh this announcement oh this lockdown you know stuff happening to us this is the perceived sort of view um and certainly a lot of fear-based uh media doesn't help us with that sense of feeling okay i'm actually okay we're going to be okay um it's just not geared up 
in that direction. So I've found the philosophy a huge comfort um, for myself and my own practice and also to be able to share that with my students. And also go not not to go too dark, but also to go on to that sort of sense of non-attachment that, you know, we might not be OK and the people that are around us may not be OK. And that also we need to be with that and we need to be with the reality of life rather than this sort of false idea that everyone will live forever. You know, that we, we have to be with that really uncomfortable feeling that, you know, that it is going to be difficult for a lot of people, you know, and people will die and people will be unwell all the time and that actually coming face to face with that in a very real and visceral sense is really important for people to take on because we've been asleep for a long time I think until this came along um, and very complacent and under the um, illusion I guess of feeling like we're in control I think this has been such a a huge wake-up call for a lot of us that we like that we're we're not we're not in control of this and we're not controlling and and I I wrote some um, poetry that perhaps won't release one day because it's a bit embarrassing at the moment but I I read read it back the other day and it was like I don't care that it was the illusion of control I loved having the illusion of control because it was it was you know even as an illusion it was great but it's like it's been a big lesson to be like oh, okay yeah we we actually are in control of very little. So the last section we will be talking about is um, how we are practically um, going to be able to continue. Um, so practical advice, perhaps for students and teachers. Um, interesting. I was having this conversation with Jim the other day that I found for me personally, not getting too swanky um, that, you know, that, there are plenty of very swanky, well-produced yoga, you know, platforms already and, you know, with people in, you know, wonderful branded leggings and everything looking great. And I don't think for me, that's why people come to my class. I think they come for the humanity and for the connection and for the reality. So that, you know, when I was teaching in the corner of my bedroom with my kids running in and out, actually, that was really reassuring to people that that's what we're all experiencing and they felt like there was less separation and it feels like there's less separation I think if it's just real and I'm in my bedroom um you know I'm not in a studio you know with everything finely polished with you know my playlist <laughs> or whatever you know because there's plenty of that on on YouTube and there's plenty of that on yoga glow or whatever already and you know I think that's you know the unique selling point is coming to a person that you connect with um you know and a teacher who will do those check-ins with you and who is observing you and who is you know really connecting with you as as another human um, having a very human experience so I'm not too worried about the tech as long as the bandwidth isn't constantly shutting out <laughs> I was I I had first on my list was be yourself you know it really doesn't matter if your jumper's on back to front or the doorbell goes you know people like that sense of it being real life so just chill people like you that's why they're in your class so just be yourself um on kind of if we're going to get really practical what get total game changer for me has just been buying a tripod it cost me like 25 quid and it means I can tilt the angle of my screen really easily you know if, if I'm down on the floor and then we stand up it's a simple two second tilt job done so that's been really good um I think it's really I found it really useful to do a bit of housekeeping at the start what props people need to check for space demoing unfamiliar stuff that I found that really useful um and I and I do sometimes think about demonstrating poses from different angles um and not turning away from the camera as well uh you know if you're coming onto the second side you're doing that you're doing it on the same side twice so that everyone can see you and then classic things like don't wear black leggings and be on a black mat because no one can see what you're doing. So, you know, uh, just having a bit of contrast is useful so that people can see you and ask people for feedback. Um, I'm lucky I've got my mum in one of my classes who is very, very keen to give me feedback on a regular basis. So, um, so things like that, you know, talk to people, find out what they like, what they don't like. I was even considering doing some sort of informal 
survey with my folk at the end of this to find out what they liked about Zoom. Do they want to continue? Was it useful? What did you know? Blah, blah, blah. And just do a bit of a review um, to inform how I go forward. So just don't be afraid to ask, I reckon. Yeah, that's so useful, isn't it? I, I, I was going to say a couple of those tips as well, Joe. that particularly the leggings, or for me, it's the black top against what I've got is like a grey sofa and I <laughs> just turn into arms and a head, you know, quite quickly. So it's super useful to think about those things. So I've embraced the patterned legging in a slightly bigger way. Um, but my my other tip really was just to have a second screen if you can, even if it's a smaller one. I tend to, particularly when I'm down low on the floor, um, I have a second screen uh, nearby so I can get a really good look um, without me having to get up and come to the screen and back. Uh, and I tend to record on a laptop and the it's a Mac. So obviously the camera on that's pretty good. So I haven't used a second um, tripod for that, uh, even though I sometimes record to my phone, which is quite useful just for my own sort of learning. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think, yeah, the sound quality, just checking in with people that they're happy that they've got options to unmute if they need to you know just to really in, involve people so that they keep that sense of connection and that level of care really comes across in each class more than say just watching a video back without that live aspect okay um we're going to wrap up i'm going to ask you just some quick questions um just really what is your favorite posture to teach online i'm going to say tadasana at the moment because uh, i'm really enjoying that grounding aspect and i think for people that uh you know are feeling a bit caught up in everything it's just the perfect tuning in to the breath and just just get that sense of being grounded so i'm going to pick something relatively simple but always giving it's, it's something that opens up certainly for me in my practice and i found with my students they can you know, come into contact with the breath and how they are a little reflection. So I'm going to say that mountain pose to give you the uh, translation. Thanks, Joe. I was just going to say for me, it's a very, you know, somatic kind of rolling around on the ground. Lots of, um, I've got really into doing things like X rolls where you're just really extending through the body, rolling around, breathing and really um, getting a visceral sense of being in your body in contact with the ground has been, you know, that's been a huge part of my personal practice. And I've been teaching that a lot for people who've been sitting on really weird, you know, home desk environments for ages that's you know seems to be really needed for people's backs and their pelvises and their necks and shoulders at the moment and they, you know again that sort of real grounding and breathing and just sort of being here in, a, in an unformatted way in a sort of very liberating way I think for me it's Seti Bandhasana for me is the new dog I absolutely love it because you can start with a really gentle tilt to the pelvis it just starts to wake up the wake up the hips and then there's so many kind of degrees of it and finding that beautiful length through the front of the body I seem to be using that as a transition quite a lot probably even more than dog at the moment so I love all the poses well I don't love all of them actually I love most of the poses but um I'm really enjoying Seti Bandhasana and I agree with Leo. I'm loving the rolling around and um, doing lots of that as well. So thank you, um, Joel, Donna and Leo. Thank you so much for spending time today talking to our Vajrasati community. Um, I really appreciate um, the giving that you have given and we will, um, we will close unless anybody has any parting thoughts that they would like to share any burning desire to impart some <laughs> some wisdom or anything no no we've, we've imparted it all um would um leo you're at the you're at the top of my um screen so i'm gonna ask you if you'd like to lead um a closing practice of om is that okay just three rounds of om so we okay. can um people at home can join in with that Okay, lovely. So just take some nice deep breaths first and just settle yourself into your body as it is at the moment. And 
you can't, we can't all hear each other when we do OM in this way anyway. So we'll just start off. We'll go three OMs all together. So taking a really nice, full, fluid, deep breath in. Oh. vibrations settle coming back to your breath back to your heart thank you thank you beautiful thank you so much and thank you um for listening wherever you have tuned in from and we will um hopefully be recording another podcast very soon thanks again to my guests joe donna and leo what a pleasure and an honour to share this time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to hang out with you. Thank you. It was good fun. <laughs>